supernatural but also in the real world Ooh. <laughs> it's about drugs, Ooh, drugs. <laughs> so okay, okay. we're gonna talk about the machine elves or the clockwork elves now if you've ever heard that no. term before so i first heard the term in a, a trevor moore song oh. um, <laughs> where, he, <laughs> where he uh goes on a drug bender with his uh computer that becomes self-aware and he because oh he spilled coca cocaine on it and oh. and <laughs> Mountain Dew or some shit, <laughs> and it started talking, and then it started getting like it ordered drugs with with Bitcoin. So in case point. you don't know, Trevor Moore is from the Whitest Kids You Know, a really good comedy trope that had a lot of videos, I think, on Comedy Central and uh, on their YouTube. Show, their show was on IFC, that IFC, channel. Okay, um, but yeah, and he also did some solo stuff before he passed away. So that's if you look into it, Trevor Moore stuff. Trevor that's Moore, pretty awesome, hilarious, and you'll find if you look him up, his name music. you'll. You'll definitely, yeah, his songs are the best. Uh, you'll definitely find the one where he, he goes, his, yeah, goes on a drug bender. Yeah. So then he starts doing DMT with it and oh he talks God. about. Well, natural course. Yeah. He starts talking about uh, these machine elves that, like, it's similar to the experience. He clearly was reading Terrence McKenna, who okay. we're, we're going to talk about now because he's the one who kind of coined the term um, clockwork elves. And so. He's a self-proclaimed psychonaut, basically an expert on psychedelic drugs. Okay. Um, he's an ethnobotanist, writer, and lecturer, and he basically, like, his whole life has been about being an academic about drugs. <laughs> um, he's Sounds like a few relatives. an interesting <laughs> character. Um, like, he was first turned on to psychedelics at 14 because he read an essay in, this, uh, in, in Time magazine. And it's called Seeking the Magic Mushroom. This is actually a, a pretty interesting story, too. That Michael Pollan talks about it in one of his books. Um, okay. Interesting. But uh, so there's, there's this guy, Robert Gordon Wasson, who is an amateur mycologist and the VP of public relations for J.P. Morgan. Okay. <laughs> and um, him and his wife were super interested in mushrooms and then had heard about psychedelic mushrooms. So they, they went to Oaxaca, Mexico, and took... Uh, part in a Mazatec ritual, and so, okay. and that's where the in this article is like where, yeah, kind of stuff. In yeah. this like photojournalist article is where the t 
her magic mushroom first. Uh, okay. Was coined. Maria Sabina was this shaman. Interesting story with her too, because she kind of got she was praised by a lot of people for like introducing the world to magic mushrooms, but that's credit looked, to fame. <laughs> looked down upon by her like her own culture and community for like for sharing, sharing it. it. Yeah. Oh, so damned if you do, both damned praise if you and don't. scorn. Yeah, it's interesting story, Marina Maria Sabina. Um, but fun name too. Yeah. And she's an interesting lady. <laughs> she was a fun guy. Um, so McKenna <clears throat> read this, was super into it. He went to Ber. Oh, I think I bumped my microphone. I don't know if you guys heard that. Uh, went to Berkeley College in in 1967. So this is like. Berkeley in the <laughs> late 60s. It was uh, a lot of Clearly, yeah, he fit, in, he fit in well there. And he, he began studying shamanism. Uh, Which, so, of course, was a legit class in college. Right. Of course, in he, Berkeley. <laughs> he traveled to Nepal in 1969 and studied with Tibetan shamans and was uh, had a little small career in smuggling hashish. How else do you afford He to spent time in, in uh, Southeast Asia and became a butterfly collector in Indonesia. And like which <laughs> also when you read about him, it's what it's like ethnobotanist, writer, butterfly collector. <laughs> so like he must have a really good collection. So <laughs> that is all like Katy Perry would say, he is a paper bag just on the wind, man. <laughs> like there is no direction, there is no rhyme or reason. He's just going. I mean, there's a direction. It's all just. <laughs> but now this is leading to him just discovering these, these machine the, elves. The machine elves, yeah. Okay. So uh, oh. in 1970, he traveled to Colombia with his brother in search of, of DMT, but then he just came across more mushrooms. So he's tripping, <laughs> tripping in South America with his brother. Mushrooms again. He graduates in 75 with a, a degree in ecology, shamanism, and conservation. So eh, all around hippie dude. <laughs> Um, parents are so proud. Him and his brother were so like they 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 kind of exploded the mushroom culture on their own. Like there was there was that Time magazine book, but him and his brother actually uh, are basically responsible for the modern techniques they use to grow them. I guess. Okay. Um, they well. wrote books on this, and so this is just kind of his his author or his uh, early early life, and this all basically just sums it. That he is the authority on. <laughs> He took a trip on a trip. <laughs> there's, there's kind of a modern day McKenna, even though McKenna's still, I think he's still alive. Um, okay. I d- see, I only looked at leading up to, to this, so I guess oh, I didn't see. I, I, I don't know. I couldn't, can't say for sure if he died now. But anyways, uh, <laughs> there's a good show that Vice, I think Vice made, um, okay. Hamilton's Pharmacopoeia. And he Very is a dude weird. who travels the world and does weird ass hallucinogens or drugs. Like, he licks toads some one time. <laughs> It is also, it is a weird, interesting show to watch. So, the career paths um, that all we are missing out on. I mean, what but, the heck? <laughs> So finally we get to the elves. So um, he his experience with, with DMT, which he experimented a lot with, um, he wrote extensively. I've even listened to some of his, his uh, lectures. And so apparently if you take enough DMT, you encounter, you like burst into this like world. And there's all these little elf things around you, but they're like, they're, they're constantly like changing shape and stuff. At, at like one point, he describes them as basically like bejeweled basketballs that bounce up to you. And um, so, in his own words, you pass through a membrane of some sort and you're in a place. You're pushed through and you see the tykes, as I call them, 
the self-transforming machine elves that are singing in a hyperdimensional language. They surround you and say, welcome, we're so glad to see you. He's just curled up fetal position right? drooling as he's like in his mind on a trip, but in reality. They sing in like this weird language. It transforms themselves and objects around them. Um, and they like jump in and out of your body. And like when they do this, it fills your mind with a thousand details a second of like just all information. And they like, they keep telling you like, don't give in to the astonishment. But you're like, I can't. I'm just. <laughs> And they're just, no, we have to show you. We have to show you. Now do like us. And they, like, try to make you sing. Yeah, they're, they're wow. pretty nuts. Wow. I mean, that's a that's not a bad side like, effect to a drug, like, but damn, how much do you have to do to get there? They sing and make things, like, show up, and they show it to you, and it's, like, weird objects that are just, like, impossible. Like Dr. Seuss-ish kind of shit. Here's a flubba moo <laughs> Right? <laughs> Insane. So there's... Some people think that these are interdimensional beings. Uh, others believe that it's your, just your brain trying to make sense of like such chaos, and uh, kind of like you, you know how like, you see a face in in a tree. Or, yeah, yeah. yeah. Is that where well, you no, see I mean, a face in something and you kind of get stuck a little. I bit? I mean, even like normal. Like I don't know. I'll be driving down the road and I see like a house with a weird. Well, yeah, arrangement but it, it doesn't of... affect me as much when I'm sober. True. But I just mean it's like, the natural human tendency to uh, anthropomorphize yeah. things. Dear Lord. <laughs> um, wow. This is just, I mean, DMT is supposed to be one hell of a drug. I've well, never... yeah, if you do enough and you end up in a magical land with these creatures that are never... showing you the world like fucking Aladdin. <laughs> like, dear Lord. It sounds interesting, but I don't know if I have the guts no, to, guts to no, try like, that. No, no, like, if I end up terminally ill, <laughs> yeah, I am maybe. going all fucking out. But, well, like, I right mean, now I'm good. Some people really seek these things out. Aldous Huxley, uh, famous author, you know, do you ever read that, that in Brave New World? Yeah, and... yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. I mean, they Old don't Ford. actually have, have, you, have you reading Doors of Perception in, in uh, school, but no. <laughs> that, either, that one's just straight up about, about uh, hallucinogens. Oh, dear. No, <laughs> no, so no. He, he um, did a DMT trip and wrote a pretty interesting book about it. It's, it's short. It's actually an interesting okay. read. Um, I'm sure it makes you creative as fuck, because like, a lot of those hallucin- hallucinogens will like open your mind up in like ways that sometimes it's like, an incohesive masterpiece, and other times it's just an incohesive. Or he just might wind up Joe Rogan. <laughs> <laughs> hey, bro, you ever tried DMT? Oh no! <laughs> I don't know. I haven't heard him say anything about the machine elves. He probably has. I, I'm, I'm sure he has. He talks about everything. He's got to try to see in everything. That's um, what he does. So, <laughs> like he's, but McKenna's not the only one who's seen these. So, like, like I said, Aldous Huxley. Mm-hmm. Um, talks about something similar, and uh, in between 1990 and 1995, uh, the first U.S. psychedelic study was performed at the University of New Mexico, in which okay. 60 people were administered DMT in controlled setting. Okay, and like so many of the participants, like met beings like this, or they Did often they described them as like extraterrestrial. Before, it's, because like that might no. taint the experience. No, no none no. of them knew about that's the these control. Writings. Yeah, that's okay. Okay, well then that makes it a little bit more crazy. That's the that control that's where thing. Your brain goes. Damn. I mean, you'd never heard about this. So it wasn't common no. knowledge. But I mean, I also wouldn't like. I would imagine that if somebody is excited to be going to do a DMT controlled, you know, experiment, 
they might not be like a hundred percent on the naive. I side think a lot things. of times they they try to find people who have who aren't experienced drug users. I hope uh, so, cause that, because that but that would fuck them up. Cause say like your first time ever trying drugs and you're fucking greeted by little people and say that you didn't feel comfortable with that shit. You are never doing drugs again. You ever, you're becoming did, Mormon. Did you ever do salvia? No, because like, you told me that shit was scary. Yeah, Tim Tim had me smoke that, and it's totally legal. I think it still is. I don't know anymore. I, but I, I, like, I could not believe it. It was, like, the strongest trip ever in five minutes of this weird thing. And, like, I felt like, in five minutes, I felt like I had been wandering in this desert for, <laughs> like, days. I've heard. I've <laughs> it heard. Was, it was insane. I just know that but my luck would doing, be as I would be, like, some kind of Kids were doing food. that as, like, their first... <laughs> psychedelic experience and it was like what the hell were head shops thinking selling that shit to kids I mean you weren't you're supposed to be at 18 but like yeah, yeah, yeah it yeah, was like yeah. cigarettes back then exactly wow wow so, yeah that's an intriguing like I love that there's science to back it up I think that's kind of awesome because it's like one of those things where it's like it could have just been like four rednecks you know all having weird stories about right. the flying saucer but these are just, they actually did control It's something, the yeah, and it's it's mystical, but it's also, like, weirdly And I love scientific. the fact that a college went along with it, too. They were like, wait, wait, wait. So, was he alone in this experience? Or was, like, this something well, we could replicate? And... I don't know if they were looking for the machina. Like, they were looking for that as an effect. I think okay. it was, they were just studying the effects of DMT. And the they put it in that, like, all these people met who what they described as like extraterrestrials they didn't that's call crazy. them because the machine elves is well, yeah yeah is, that's it's terminology that terrence mckenna i put doubt out. they all come out there like hi we are this you know like <laughs> i mean but they're it's they're like god you're here things. again it's, this is the fourth yeah. person to come to our dimension we're not introducing ourselves no more <laughs> apparently they they say like they love to be like we're so glad you're here you you visit us so rarely <laughs> Because you're creepy. <laughs> Doctor Who shows up. Just fucking up. <laughs> Tempting, but I just don't quite have the guts to pull the trigger on that one. <laughs> all right. Well, all right. We, mine's a little dark, but it's one of, it's a, it's a person that I've been wanting to talk about since thinking about this show. Um, And it's mainly because she is considered one of the first female serial killers. Now, I love serial killers. And folklore that kind of goes along with that. And so that's kind of where you'll find most of my stories going towards. And uh, this one is about the most prolific one ever in history. And her name, um, her modernization of her name is Elizabeth Bathory. But otherwise mm-hmm. she's known as Ezerbet Bathory. And she's the Countess of Blood. Um, she lived from 1560 to 1614. And she was uh, born in Hungary. So, I mean, okay. this was back in that time, and she, her family... You could say she was hungry for blood. She was, <laughs> all right, uh-huh. Because she's considered, like, the female uh, Dracula. <laughs> yeah, and she I, was I related to Vlad and Paler. Oh, she was? Okay. Yes. Um, I don't know, because her family owned a lot of land in the Transylvania area. Like, her specific family controlled Transylvania, and she had an uncle that ended up as the king of Poland. Um, They said that as a child, she suffered multiple seizures and was thought to have had epilepsy, but that might have been more about the royal family trying to save face and explain why she did what she did. Um, because there was a lot to lose when she finally got found out. Mm. 
So in uh, May of 1573, Ezra Bet married Count Pernik Nazde, a member of another powerful family in Hungary. There was rumor that she had a baby before getting married with a peasant, but that baby was taken away and raised by another family. And Fenric, Fenric uh, had the peasant boy castrated and torn apart by dogs. Jesus. Because he wasn't just going to let it happen. Like, that was his bride. Right. Oof. If Ezerbet had a cruel streak in her, her husband nurtured it. He was a soldier of fortune and would often be away at war. And he had a reputation for being cruel and on the battlefield. There's a quotation where he would dance with the dead bodies of his enemies and throw their severed heads into the air or play catch and kickball with them. Then he would come back to his wife and they would pass their time torturing their female servants. One of their favorite methods involved tying a woman to a log naked with honey, smeared all over her body, and they would just watch her squirm as ants and flies would bite her. Ah, what the fuck? Sometimes um, there is... Like, there was a lot of testimony, so there's a lot of quotes from the people. So, a quote says, uh, at Savar, or Sarvar, which is one of their castles, okay. during summer, his lordship, Count Fernick Nazade, had a young girl undressed until stark naked. While his lordship looked down, or, or looked on with his own eyes, the girl was covered over with honey and made to stand throughout the day and night, so that she'd be covered with insect bites and collapsed into unconsciousness. His lordship taught the countess that in such a case, one must place pieces of paper dipped in oil between the toes of the girl and set them on fire. Even if she was already half dead, she would jump up. So um, they would do Damn. this. Uh, the thing, though, is the count, he he didn't, he would torture, but he didn't believe in killing them. Like, he didn't, <laughs> he didn't want to kill them. He would just kind of, like, torture them and make them suffer while he was there. But then, like, he kind of had a rule. We're not killing people, okay? Weird. So, but, so Ezra Bet followed along with that. They had a loving marriage that lasted over 25 years, and they had eight children together. Towards the end of his life, he developed an illness that made him unable to walk, and he passed away shortly after. While he was alive, oh, I had just said this, while he was alive, he was okay with torturing the girls to the point of death, but never killed them. And he kept her in line, but after he passed, she didn't have any to stop her so she escalated things and she was already used to running the estates because while he was away she was in charge right you know taking care of stuff so during the years girls would be lured up to the castle to work as servants only to never come back home there was roughly estimated between like it's kind of fickle like some will say like a couple hundred some say like 500 girls but back in the day like if you were a peasant it really you were asked to go work at the castle. You were asked to work at the castle. And she had her own serfs and her own, like, yeah. people that she could just pick from. Right. Um, but rumors began to spread, and people were not as eager to send their daughters outside or even have them go off for a palace job. And now, um, I, it kind of shuffles around because a lot of times the quotes that I was given kind of, like, jump into certain spots. So I wasn't able to kind of pick them apart, so I might you know, start reading and then kind of go off a little bit. But she would um, often torture the girls to the point of, like, slapping them, sticking needles in their hands. She would pinch their faces and in other places and pierce them uh, under their fingernails. She dragged and tortured girls naked out into the snow. This is one of her favorite things. And she would uh, have other old women pour cold water over them until they froze into place and became, like, statues. Oh, 
yeah, she would beat the girls, murder them in such a way that her clothes were drenched in blood, and she would often have to change her shirt. She had bloodied stone pain bit washed, and she had the girls undressed naked, thrown to the ground, and she began to beat them so hard that one could scoop up the blood from their beds and by handfuls. It had happened that um, she would bite individuals too. One time she was so sick that she couldn't get out of bed, but she didn't want the punishments to end. So she would force her other servants to lean that person over so she could bite them and still punish them. Um, she also liked to attack the girls with knives and she hit and tortured them in many ways. She would singe their private parts with candle. Yeah, I know. She wasn't very Uh. good. Uh, what is it? A lot of times she would bite at their boobs and she would have the girls beaten so long that the soles of their feet and the surface of their hands bristled. They were beat, uh, they were beaten so long that each one without interruption suffered over 500 blows from the women accomplices, but she wasn't alone. Yeah, and the thing she that had, she had like her own squad of abusers. Well, that's one of the things that kind of got me is because I heard she had a bunch of like, of course they said it was like incestuous things, like it was uh women on some other part of her family okay. or or female relatives. So obviously had to be lesbians because I mean this is you got to remember where they're building up her villainy. So she yeah, she's I obviously having incestuous it, yeah. and and lesbian relationships, and she had a dwarf. That, and, like, that's where I kind of found it comical. Because, like, in a classic cliche B-rated horror movie, right. you have the dwarf jumping around. And a rumor yeah, was that like... they would put, like, a girl inside of a cage and it would be over spikes. And the dwarf would then, like, dance around with the rope rising and, you know, raising and lowering the girl. And she would sometimes be underneath it and, like, poking along. And Jeez. I'm like, oh, my God, that's like a cartoon. Right. Like, it's horrible. It's kind of like the... the uh... In line with the wardrobe, she's got a yeah. dwarf that is just her, evil. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, at one point in all of her torturing of these young girls, she had uh, slapped a servant about making a comment about her hair, and the blood dripped from the servant's nose onto her face. And when she wiped it away, she saw her face looked a little bit more younger and rejuvenated. <laughs> so, she got this idea that she needed to bathe in blood because she didn't want to get old. So she decided she was just going to start killing girls and draining them of their blood. And it got to a point where she, it wasn't working quite as well. Surprise, surprise. (laughs) So she decided maybe it was the quality of the blood. So she decided to start asking nobles to bring their daughters to her house in order to teach them how to be ladies. She was just kind of like running a refinement school kind of a thing. But in honesty, she was just looking for rich virgins to bathe in their blood. And they got to a point where they were running out of places to hide the bodies. Like, they were under the carpets, they were in the closets, they were, like, (laughs) off in the moat. There was just dead girl bodies everywhere. (laughs) And here you have this little dwarf just pulling them along, you know? Like, it's, it's, uh, it almost feels too fancy, you know? Like, like, fanciful, yeah. Anyways, there was a few, um, accomplices. Thank you, accomplices. (laughs) That she had, and she only got busted because of the fact that she was starting to go after nobles. Because right. when it was peasants, nobody cared. I mean, there was rumors. They were but... basically her property to. Yeah, yeah, so she had a woman named Anna Darvoya, Darvola, uh, who, and she was a Croatian woman who served the countess for about nine, eight years until she likely died of a stroke before the countess and her accomplices were apprehended. 
However, she had served the Countess before 1601, and she was described by others as a wild beast in female form, and likely taught Ezrabet and the other accomplices the bestial ways of torture, including beatings that lasted for hours. She also served the Countess as an advisor, and may have been the one to convince the Countess to target peasant girls to avoid capture for so long. Unfortunately, she died before the Countess and the others were arrested, so she w we never knew her full involvement. We just knew that she was close to the Countess, and likely knew the exact numbers of victims. Then there was uh, Vizekbo, Janos, you, oh, I'm going to butcher it, but she was commonly known as Fiziko. That's what I always called her. I don't know. This F-I-C-Z-K-O. He was a young man who served the Countess for at least 16 years as he was brought into ladies' court to work as a servant by force. She was very fond of him, though, and he admitted to knowing 37 of the girls that had been killed while he worked under the lady and while at times did participate in torture, his primary responsibility was to dispose of the bodies and lure new victims. However, he did testify that the Countess did participate in the tortures and killing often, thus contradicting her claim of innocence. Then there was Ilona Joe, who served as a nursemaid and participated for decades. She would also lure the children the girls in and torture and kill them a few herself she did but she didn't know the true number she had witnessed uh the women doing their stuff but hold on she had hid the bodies what is that da, 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 sorry and she talked about scooping the handful of blood then there was caitlin who was the only one that didn't want to participate in killing the girls all of them uh she was considered the least cruel but she would try to sneak food to the servants and would be punished she was a washerwoman and didn't know how many people had been killed. But, Ezerbet, huh? Did they say the dwarf's name? No, and that's the thing that made me mad is because I read about it and I know it's there, but for some reason, I don't know if they're trying to like, I don't know if there's a dwarf conspiracy and they're trying to take her out of the history books or something like that, but like, let your crimes be known. Let the, like, right. I don't know. But what ended up happening is because of her being of royal status, they didn't really want to kill her. So they killed all of her accomplices, but they Man. walled her up inside of a room what? with just a little slot for food and drink. Ooh. They claim she died because she didn't have any virgin blood to survive on. But because she literally was just isolated in a cold room. Yeah, filled up with poop. Now there is a little conspiracy along with it, though, that says that after her husband died, she was working with one of her other family members. Remember, she comes from a powerful family mm -hmm. in order to meet with his ideas of becoming the new ruler. So they were worried that with Ezra Betts' family standing, fortunes, and connections, that this man might overthrow the government. So there is a kind of a conspiracy that she was taken down and all these accusations on why they sound so wild and crazy mm -hmm. is because it was kind of like a witch hunt where a guy yeah, was just trying to get her. rid of her mm -hmm. in order to like continue his own political uh, just a power agenda. struggle. And, yes. Yeah. So that kind of like made my heart break a little bit because I'm like, no, I know that oh, that seems more taking, realistic taking than just agency a agency away from her. Yes. She's supposed to be brutal. <laughs> and could she have just been a very smart, like, evil, but within reason for the time because you got to remember back then <laughs> no you got to remember back then it wasn't a you weren't looked at as a cruel person if you beat up your servants 
Like, it was kind of par for course. Like, we're considered amazing and merciful? No. But, like, did anybody, like, call you out and, like, try to bring it? No. No, probably not. And, I don't know. And you there. were kind of taught as a child to treat the servants as if they yeah, were. Yeah, they probably were. Like, mm-hmm. pets or, like, you know, objects. Own, like, you owned them. They were things. Right. They so, were serfs. You owned them. She, for her time, yeah, she might have been more cruel than she should have been. But, like, maybe that was all made up. And that's really sad. Because maybe then, it's exaggerated because then she... She wasn't the, the psycho clown oh, yeah, killer with a, she is with a no... dwarf that you, <laughs> that you pictured. She is no Saint Olga, I'll tell you that. But, yeah, I just, I thought that it was amazing that there was this woman who, like, she just, the whole statues, like, cre- dragging the women outside and, like, having cold water poured on them until they turned into statues. That just seems so... And now I'm picturing a dwarf dancing around them. I know! Cackling. <laughs> And they took it out. There are movies about the Countess of Blood that yeah. you can find. Um, but they keep taking the dwarf out. I don't know, man. We're going to have to watch some of them to find out because I will be so... We will have a part two if there is no dwarf in any of the movies. I'm telling <laughs> you right now. It's the dwarf conspiracy. <laughs> they are trying to erase them <laughs> from movies or I don't history. know if this is pro-dwarf or anti-dwarf. <laughs> I have no idea. I am pro-equal representation for yes. good and bad. You don't get to whitewash your history as a white woman. I don't get to do it. You don't get to do it. If we did bad, <laughs> we did bad, okay? <laughs> I love dwarves and little people. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> <laughs> ain't nothing wrong with anybody. How life ages, how life ages. Exactly. Fucking ain't. <laughs> <laughs> it's like your, your dwarf rants. They need to answer for their crimes. But anyways, I love the dwarves. <laughs> I'm like Hermione when she met creature. Like dwarf, I'm gonna <laughs> actually. To be fair, you know, dwarf is not the PC term, is it? No, I think it's the M word that's not allowed. Oh, because dwarfism is the the actual thing. Dwarfism is okay. Little people is okay. This is gonna turn into a thing. Yeah, but I hope I we don't end up with male. But, anyway, we but I know the M word is not allowed. Okay. And that one well, is that often sounds, used. That one sounds mean. I wouldn't exactly. Yeah. But I think correct us if you're wrong. Let us know. Our dwarf community, do you did you know this was happening? Did you have any idea that they were whitewashing your history <laughs> and erasing the good and the bad and the bad? Why? I mean, <laughs> uh, I'd say there's some good representation now. I got Willow. We've got that new Willow show. Well, and Peter Dinklage has been doing amazing. Elf is out right now. I love like <laughs> well. Right now, this is right around Christmas when we're recording this. But <laughs> Elf is on TV, and I love that part. Call me a dwarf, or call me an elf again. You know, like, <laughs> Ooh, someone's an angry elf. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. I haven't seen it yet this Christmas. Actually, we're, we're going to watch some Christmas movies tonight, but I, I haven't watched any, really. The ones you can't find listen- are the Burl, or the uh, Rankin, Rankin and, uh, I'm trying to think of the names of the, the classic claymation ones. Rudolph, the Red-Nosed oh. Reindeer. Oh, well, we've got it on DVD. Yeah. There is no streaming of those classic movies. All right. Well, anyways, <laughs> before Thank this just guys. turns into Thank a rant about Christmas and, and uh, uh, dwarves. Oh, God. This went way wrong. I was going to say elves. <laughs> All right. Thank you guys for listening. I hope you guys have a wonderful day. Thanks, Ken. Bye. <laughs> For any questions or comments, you can find us at Mysteries Inc. on Instagram.